Welcome to season two of the Stephanie Humphrey podcast. This season features our biblical teaching segment, Study With Me, where we read through portions of the Old and New Testament, and Sip and Say with Stephanie, where you hear Stephanie's perspective on social issues, world events, and whatever is on her mind. Join us on Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more on Thursdays at 10 p.m. Want to leave Stephanie a message? Go to our podcast on Anchor FM and click the message button, and you just might be featured on her podcast. Don't forget to like and share your favorite episodes. We look forward to engaging with you soon. Blessings. Good evening. How is everyone doing tonight? Welcome to Be Free Ministries Bible Study. It is the first Thursday in the month, you all, and it is, it has been, or it is currently, because I was actually just outside. I just came in from outside a few minutes ago, so it is, it has been such a beautiful day today, and I got an opportunity to go outside, enjoy the beautiful weather. I was actually outside yesterday in the weather for about a, an hour or so. Um, we got an opportunity to see, I didn't actually put my eyes on her because I was messing with my dog on phone, but Vice President Kamala Harris drove right by us, right by my job. She was um, in Durham, North Carolina yesterday. And I mean, like literally within walking distance from my job. So many of us were out waiting for her to come by since we didn't get an opportunity to see her, but we were able, she waved at us and we waved at her, you know, and um, so we got, you know, pictures and videos of her security detail and her like sliding down the street on the way back to the airport. So that was so exciting to be outside. I actually got an opportunity to talk to my colleagues or some of my colleagues that I don't normally get to talk to because they're in their office doing their work or they're out in the schools or I'm in my office doing my work. And so it was just good to have what we consider like a mental health break from the job out in the beautiful weather, like I said, talking to each other and have an opportunity to get just a glimpse at Vice President Kamala Harris. So it's been a beautiful couple of days. We're going to have some cold weather tomorrow, then it's going to warm back up for next week or for the weekend and next week. So I'm excited about that. Hadn't planned to tell you all of that, but you know, Be Free Ministries, we can definitely share what's going on in our lives. And I'm hoping that you're enjoying the weather wherever you are. I hope that life is well wherever you are. I'm thankful today. I'm a little tired today. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I am definitely a little tired today. Um, But I am thankful regardless of how I'm feeling in my body, regardless of how even my mind is feeling right now. I am thankful. I'm definitely not having any mental concerns, but just because I'm tired, my brain is not working as quickly as I want it to. And I can feel that. And I'm okay with that. Like life is what it is, you know? And so um, I'm still excited. I'm so happy. God is still good. Hallelujah. He is forever on his throne. Hallelujah. And so I give him honor. I give God glory. I give God praise because truly he alone. (laughs) Truly, 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 truly he alone 
is worthy. Hallelujah. He alone is worthy of all the adoration and praise that I have for him tonight. So we're going to get right into the Bible study. It's going to be short and sweet tonight. I actually was thinking about my um, my blog talk radio days. So um, when I first started doing podcasts, I actually was on blog talk radio. So I considered it my radio broadcast and it was absolutely free for 30 minutes. And so I would come in, do my 30 minute teaching or talk I would leave the last few minutes to take some calls because with Blog Talk Radio, you could take calls. Um, and then, you know, we would be finished. They would, um, um, Blog Talk Radio would give me up to like an extra 10 minutes. So sometimes I would be on for like 40 minutes. And it was amazing um, just to do that and to get started in that way. Um, and so I'm thinking about, because it like it was only 30 minutes and I had to just hit the lesson really hard, had my guests to come on, they hit the lesson really hard and we kept it moving. <laughs> so I am feeling like um, my blog talk radio days where it's really going to be short and sweet tonight, y'all. God, again, he's so good. I'm so thankful to be alive. Um, I'm thankful for God's many blessings. I thank God that my family is well. I've got an opportunity to talk to my granddaddy um, this week. Um, he, we, my grandmother passed away exactly 10 years ago this week. And It doesn't seem like it's been, not, did I say 10 years? 10 years ago this week, yeah. And so it doesn't seem like it's been 10 weeks. It doesn't seem, I mean, 10 weeks. Did I say 10 weeks the very first time? Anyway, it's been 10 years since grandma passed away. It does not seem like it's been that long since my grandma passed away. And so I called granddaddy. I planned to go home actually, but I didn't get a chance to go home. But I, um, um, talk to him and plan to go visit him very soon just to sit with him and just to reminisce um, with him about grandma like oh my gosh it definitely has gotten easier since grandma passed away that first year like I'm sure in most families when you lose a loved one that first year was rough and the second year was a little rough but it has, it has gotten better over the years I still miss my grandma you know but I am thankful for the, the life that we shared. I'm thankful for the happy memories. I'm thankful for the love and the concern that she shared, that she showed me. Um, I'm thankful for the, all the years that I spent in her house, you know, getting a little spoiled by her and granddaddy. So it's been such a blessing, you all, to have had my grandmother for 80 plus years and to still have my granddaddy for 90 plus years. So one of his sisters is actually celebrating 99 years. If, if the Lord blesses her to live next week, she will be 99 years old. Y'all, what a blessing to be upon the face of the earth for so long. So I thank God for preserving her. I thank God for preserving my grandfather. I thank God for preserving you and preserving your family. Because whether you're 15, 22, 37, 48, 51, you know, 60, 70, 80s, is a blessing to be alive. It's a blessing to be in the land of the living. And so I give all honor and praise to God for life today. So yeah, let's get right into this Bible study, you all. 
I promise you, <laughs> we preach and say, I promise I won't be before you long, but literally, I will not be before you long. We are actually going to peruse through um, Genesis chapter 3 through Genesis chapter 11. And so you all know that we're walking through the Bible Um this year, Old Testament is this Thursday, first Thursday. New Testament is the second Thursday, so we'll get into it next week. And so most of us know the book of Genesis. We know the stories that are outlined in the book of Genesis. I think I'm going to put my glasses on. We know the story of Adam and Eve. We we know the story of Cain and Abel. <laughs> We know the story of Noah and the flood. Like we know these stories. They are very familiar to most of us. But just in case there are listeners on tonight or listeners that will listen to or tune into the rebroadcast, I just want to give us a brief about these stories. And I really, the story I really want to get into tonight is Genesis 11. I really want to get into this Tower of Babel because um, I, I don't, I think I may have heard one teaching in my 40 plus years on this earth. I think I've heard, had, um, heard, excuse me, one teaching about the story of Babel, but it's not really taught often or preached often. I guess it doesn't, you know, make a good topic, but it always fascinates. That story, every time I read it or think about it or talk about it, the story fascinates me. I'm, yeah, I'm going I'm to need my glasses on. It really fascinates me, even though I don't like the glare off the glasses in the video, but it's okay. It's all good. So let's get into Genesis chapter three. We we know that in Genesis chapter three, I'm just going to give you my synopsis. You all go back and read it for yourselves. We have Adam and Eve, y'all cutting up. <laughs> Adam and Eve is cutting up in Genesis three. So we understand that the serpent the devil, the enemy, Satan, Beelzebub, disguises himself as a serpent and he slides his way. I want to say he slides his hind parts, but he slides his way over to Eve and he beguiles her. He tricks her. He tells her, like first he, he asked her a question. <laughs> he was like, you know, can y'all eat of the tree of can y'all eat of the fruits of the trees, basically, you know, in the Garden of Eden? And, and Eve responds, yes, we can, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was in the center of Eden, that is the tree that we are not to eat of. Not the, the devil, Satan, he already knew this, like the serpent already knew this. But again, he's setting up his trap to ensnare Eve and to ensnare Adam into sinning. So he asks, um, Eve answers, you know, him, how she answers him. And then the Satan, the serpent says, well, actually, you know, that fruit is good to eat. And the only reason why God doesn't want you to eat of the fruit of that tree is because he knows that you will see things like he sees them. You will know good. You will know evil. You will basically be equal, quote unquote, equal with God. If you eat of the tree, if you eat of the fruit of this tree, half truth. Let me go back to what Eve said. Another part that I missed that Eve said to Adam, I mean, that Eve said to the serpent, 
he she told him, you know, we, we can't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because if we eat of that, we will die, which was true. They would die. And so, of course, when the saint, when Satan, I keep saying the Satan, but I, I want to say the serpent Satan, when he comes back with his response, he does say, you're, you're not going to die. You know, God just doesn't want you to be like him. So as the story progresses, the enemy, Satan, the serpent, he persuades Eve to eat of the tree, to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge and good of evil. She does. She gives some to Adam. And immediately when they are disobedient to God, immediately sin enters the world. So what the enemy didn't tell Eve when he was having this conversation with her, he didn't tell her God is right. You, you know, well, he didn't tell her, yes, you will. You will see things as God sees. He did tell her that part, but he didn't say, and God is right. You will die. Yes, you will know things like God knows them. You'll see things like God sees them. You'll have the knowledge that God has. But yes, God was right. You will die. <laughs> he didn't tell her that part. He told her a half truth, which led to her being disobedient. So, um. So again, she is she is uh, enticed by the enemy. She eats of the fruit. She gives Adam the fruit, and they immediately, their eyes are immediately open, and they notice that they are naked. So when I got to thinking about this, first let me mention this. I know that, you know, I was thinking about how when someone says something for so long. Even if it's a lie, that lie becomes a reality to the people that are hearing it or to the people that are living it. For example, I've heard a lot of women who are in abusive relationships or who have been free from abusive relationships say that their spouse or their boyfriend would say that they were nothing, that they were nobody, that they weren't worth anything. And he said it for so long, so many times for so long, they begin to believe it and their self-worth plummeted. So the enemy... Um, I, oh, so not the enemy, but so the world has said for so long that the fruit that Eve and Adam ate of was an apple. The Bible don't say it was an apple. It could have been a kumquat. It could have been a blood red orange. It could have been a kiwi. It could have been a mango or pineapple. The Bible says fruit, but because the world has says has said apple for so long, that's what people say. Adam and Eve ate the apple. No, they didn't. We don't know if it was an apple. It could have been an apple. Like I said, kumquat, plum, peach, strawberry, watermelon. It could have been any fruit. But because the world has said that for so long, people believe that that's what they ate of. We have to be careful when 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 we allow, or we have to be careful in allowing people to speak to us or allowing people to say things to us. Getting back to the enemy, he came and enticed Eve. We have to be careful when people come to us and say, you know, this is happening or this is what it is, but it's contrary to what God has said. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord because 
sometimes the enemy comes as 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 the New Testament says as a sheep in wolf's clothing or excuse me as a wolf in sheep's clothing and those words sound good you know just like y'all know how it is when you know a man is trying to entice you to have sexual relations with him come on girl we just gonna lay here with our clothes on you know to be okay next thing you know your clothes are off and you're doing something you shouldn't be doing we have to be careful when people speak enticing words to us, words that sound good, but we know at the end, it's not going to be for our good. So we have to be careful who we allow to speak into our lives, who we allow to give us advice, who we allow to give us wisdom. We have to be careful who we allow to speak into our lives. And then we have to be careful in allowing people to say whatever they want to say to us any way they want to say it. I am a person who, you're not going to talk to me any kind of way. I have standards and I teach people how to follow the standards that I have set for my life. So you can come to me and say, Stephanie, you stupid. Stephanie, you ugly. Stephanie, you'll never amount to anything. I don't believe that because the standards that I have set for myself is that I'm intelligent. I am um, secure in Christ. I'm whole in him. I'm complete in him. Like I don't need anybody to encourage me in that respect, even though I appreciate it and accept it. But we have to be careful about even the words that are spoken to us. Because if we hear negative words so many times, we'll start to believe those words. Just like when we hear positive words so many times, we'll believe will begin to believe those positive words. So again, be careful who you allow to speak to you and be careful what you allow them to say to you. So don't let negative people bring negative words and jump to you. Dismiss them. Tell them, look, I'm not in for that today. I'm not going to listen to you. You need to go talk to somebody else. You need to take that somewhere else. You need to get out of my face. Say in the Lord God, rebuke you, whatever you need to say to get them to back up off you. Okay. So don't let people speak negative to you because you'll begin to believe those words. Just like I said, people say, Adam and Eve ate that apple. That's not what the Bible says. That's a lie. It's not what the Bible says. So be careful about the words that you receive from other people. Just because it's your mom or your dad or your sister or your brother or your grandparent or your best friend or your coworker or your colleague does not mean that every time they come to you, they are bringing positive words or encouraging words. Sometimes you have to rebuke your family. Sometimes you have to rebuke your friends. Sometimes you have to rebuke your coworkers, your colleagues. Do what you need to do to make sure that your mental health and your emotional health is healthy. And sometimes that means dismissive folk. So do what you got to do. Um, and so um, where am I at now? I didn't mean to say, I, I had not planned to say all that, but we needed to hear that. So we're up to Adam and Eve eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, their disobedience caused sin to enter into the world. So Adam and Eve, we know they were living in the just in luxury, y'all, in peace, in harmony with Christ Jesus. They running around naked. <laughs> They're running around. They have, you know, this big, beautiful garden to enjoy with all these fruits and vegetables and the animals. They didn't have to worry about a lion coming to eat them up. <laughs> 
They didn't have to worry about a tiger come nipping at their heels. Like they were free. They lived in a place of peace and harmony. Like um, who is that? Um, um, what's his name? That seems. Let's get back to eat and live on top of the world. I can't even think of his name. It's gonna come to me later. I see his face just as clear. Um, but yeah, they lived in a place of peace and harmony. But once they became, or once they, yeah, became disobedient to God, sin entered the world, and with that sin came death. With that sin, that disobedience came insecurity, came sickness, came murders came rapes, came every evil imaginable, their one act of disobedience caused the floodgates of sin to open. And so now all of us are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And of course, God has given us opportunity to be rejoined to him by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We thank Jesus for dying on the cross to restore us back to health and wholeness and God's family. So yes, yeah, so seeing into the world, sickness, hell, death, everything that you can think of, the floodgates, like the floodgates of hell were literally open the moment that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then of course, Adam was cursed to till the ground. Eve was cursed to bear children. Whew. Y'all, I'm so glad I don't have children that I've never experienced childbirth. God is good. <laughs> but for those who experience, who have experienced childbirth or who will experience childbirth, I've been told that it's like, that's like the point of death. Like that's as close to death as you'll get without actually dying when you have childbirth. I don't know what why that is. I won't have to um, like ask a medical expert, but the travail that women go through to birth a child that comes from the act of disobedience from Adam and Eve. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Eve. You know, we 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 y'all our ancestors, we're not happy with y'all, but we still love you. You know, so sin into the world. So that is Genesis three. And I want, you know, it's so interesting, y'all. Y'all, you know, when we're studying the Bible or like for me, when I watch movies and TV shows, you know, different memories come to mind. So when I thought about Adam and Eve, you know, just being free and naked in the Garden of Eden, I thought about children. Y'all, children don't have any discretion. Like young children, like toddlers, two, three, four years old, maybe when they start getting four, five, six, they have a little more discretion, but young children, toddlers, one, two, three, they don't have any discretion. They will run around the house naked. <laughs> they don't care if you're looking at them because they don't really know they're naked. Like they, they don't really understand that they're naked. They just running around free because they're kids, you know, they're babies, they're toddlers. And so, you know, I thought about that and I, I thought about Christmas, just this past Christmas, my nephew, we were at my mom's house, my middle nephew, he just turned four and he was, my sister was preparing, you know, to give him a bath. And so he had his shirt on, but he didn't have any underwear. He just running around my mom's house, just start naked. I'm there. His siblings are there, my sisters there, my baby brothers there, my mom's there, one of my aunts are there, and he just running around just free and happy. <laughs> but you know what? But that's how it is because children are innocent, you know? And Adam and Eve had that purity and that holiness and that innocence when they were in the Garden of Eden, you know, prior to um, their disobedience. So they were just happy and free. <laughs> Again, just some of the things that we think about. But if you, but, but really, children, the Bible says, you know, God, Jesus told 
his disciples, you know, unless we liken ourselves to a child, we can't enter heaven. You know, children are so innocent. They're so free. They're so pure. They're so easy to forgive. <laughs> so they they don't have any discretion or thought about running around naked. You know, it just is what it is. And so sometimes we need to get back to not running around naked unless you're at your own house with your spouse, you know, do what you got to do, have to have the blinds closed, the curtains pulled, you know, and all of that. But we need to get back to children as far as their innocence is concerned, them being easy to forgive, them having that state of purity and, and just goodness and gentleness and genuineness. You know, we need to liken ourselves like a child, as the Bible says. So anyway, that is Genesis. <laughs> that is Genesis chapter three. So let's get into Genesis chapter four. So Genesis chapter four takes us to Cain and Abel. We see that Adam and Eve have been banished from the Garden of Eden, and we are introduced to um, their first two children that I'm, I know of. Um, Cain and Abel, and Cain was a, um, he kept the, kept the sheep, kept the animals, and Abel tilled the ground. He was a farmer, and they presented their a gift to the Lord. Abel presented of his first fruits, Cain presented of what was left. Um, long story short, Cain became jealous of, of Abel. His arrogance, his pride got in the way, his anger got in the way, and he killed his brother. Um, again, because sin entered the world, murder came with that. Evilness came with that. And so he ended up killing his brother. And so God did curse him, you know, for killing his brother. And um, even though God still protected Cain, he still cursed Cain and his descendants. And so what we learn from our, uh, or from the story of Cain and Abel is that we cannot covet someone else's gift. We cannot covet what someone else is doing, like their elevations, their business, their um, cars, their homes, their uh, ministry. We cannot covet what someone else has because we have a destiny to fulfill. You know, we don't have to mimic anyone else's life or mimic anyone else's destiny because God has a destiny within us to fulfill. We just have to tap into that destiny. Ask God, God, what did you put me on this earth to do? Find out and then learn about it, get some education, get some knowledge, get some wisdom, and then do that thing to the best of your ability. There is no reason why we have to covet or be jealous of what someone else has because God has a blessing for us. God has um, destiny for us. God has purpose for us. So we don't have to worry about what somebody else is doing over here. We just focus on what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be and to do it in a spirit of humility, you know, not in arrogance, not in pride, not even thinking that we're better or higher than anybody else, but doing it with the grace and the patience and the humility that God has given us to do it in, okay? So fulfill your destiny. Don't look to the left or to the right to see what your brother and your sister are doing. Fulfill the destiny that God has placed within you. And if you are looking to the left and the right to see what your brother and sister are doing, do it in a way to encourage them. Do it in a way to build them up when they did, uh, get discouraged. Do it in a way to inspire them to keep pushing forward so that they can be the best of who God has called them to be. 
and you can be the best of who God has called you to be. And when you're feeling down and when you're feeling sad, when you're feeling shame or insecurity, they can look to the right or to the left and see you and come over and pick you up and undergird you and encourage and inspire you. So let's do what God has called us to do and be support to others as much as we can. Amen. Do not despise or covet what um, other people's giftings or what God has called other people to do. Focus on your destiny. Focus on your dreams. Focus on your goals. That is the lesson that I learned from Cain and Abel. And as we know in Genesis 4, that Adam and Eve went on to have other children. Okay, let's keep it moving on down. Put my glasses on so I can see a little bit better. Let's let's travel on down to Genesis chapter 5. In Genesis chapter 5, we are introduced to the descendants of Adam, and then we are, which includes Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. All right. So that's the that's Genesis 5 in a nutshell. <laughs> let's peruse on down to Genesis 6. This is when God, I mean, evilness is running rampant upon the face of the earth at this time. And God repents that he has made man. So he calls Noah. He sees that Noah is a just and upright man. And he calls Noah to build an ark. Because at this point, God is fed up. He is going to destroy all of mankind, save Noah and his family. So it takes Noah about, let's see, I think I wrote, it's right here in my, in my Bible notes. I think it tells us um, how long it took. Let me flip back. I'm, I'm chapter 11 because I told y'all I'm ready to get to the Tower of Babel. But it takes Noah. Hmm. I thought I had read it, so I don't have this in my memory. So let me just see. Hmm. All right, so let me see. Let me see if I can find it very quickly. So I don't have it in my memory how long it took Adam to build the um, Ark of the Covenant. Not the Ark of the Covenant, but the Ark. This is not the Ark of the Covenant, but just the Ark that would protect Noah and his family from the floods that were coming. So I don't have it. I know it's somewhere, y'all. I just I'm, I'm I can't see can't see it clearly. So anyway, I don't have it, and I'll put it in the description when I find it because I don't want to hold our time up anymore. But Noah built this Ark. Again, so that it would protect him, his family, and two of each kind of animal so that life can still be, be preserved after God brings destruction. So we have Noah building the ark. And then as we move on to chapter 7, we have the rain coming. And it rained, and it rained, and it rained. For 40 days, the flood prevailed. Genesis chapter 7, verse 17. And that the boat was lifted so high that it was above even the highest mountains. It was so much rain upon the face of the earth. And in this rain, God destroyed all life, save the life that was on the ark. So that was chapter seven. As we get to um, the beginning of chapter eight, we have the, the ark settling on Mount Aberrant. 
and it was about 150 days. This is probably the number that I was reading. Um, chapter 8 of Genesis, verse 4, well, verse 3. So the flood gradually began to recede after 150 days, verse 4, exactly five months from the time the flood began, the boat came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And so we see here in chapter 8 that the floods during Noah's time began to recede. And eventually, you know, Noah sends out a dove that um, is a measuring uh, stick for Noah to know when the water would recede enough where him and his family and the animals could go back on dry land. So verse 8, excuse me, chapter 8. Yeah, that was chapter seven. And then we get into chapter eight, where the ark um, lands on Mount Ararat. And God sends a wind also in chapter eight to help the waters recede. So as the waters are going down, of course, the ark is coming down. And eventually in verse nine, verse in a verse eight, excuse me, chapter eight, verse nine, um, Noah is able, Noah and his family, his three sons, their wives, and Noah's wife and the animals are able to come out on dry land. And we know as we get to verse nine, God tells Noah and his sons and their wives, and of course, Noah's wife, replenish the earth, replenish the earth, <laughs> replenish the earth, multiply, fulfill, you know, fill the earth again. And so all of us, while original descendants of Adam and Eve, um, ultimately we are descendants of Noah as all life was destroyed. And so we have God giving us a promise by way of the rainbow. Every time you see a rainbow in the sky, that is a reminder that God promised that he will not destroy the world again by flood. Do we still have floods? Yes, we have had some devastating floods like Hurricane Katrina, We've had some devastating tsunamis in some of our Asian countries. So there are parts of the world that have been or have experienced destruction um, by water. But God promised that he will not um, destroy the entire earth, the entire world by flood again. And the rainbow would be the sign of that covenant that he made with Noah and his family and that he has made with us today. All right. And so then we get to Genesis chapter 10. Y'all, I'm just a little over my 30 minutes. I'm doing good. And so then we get to Genesis chapter 10. And Genesis chapter 10 simply outlines the descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, which are the sons of Noah. So it basically tells you the history of Noah's grandkids, great-grandkids, great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandkids. And so that's the full of chapter 10 of Genesis. And then we get into the very short teaching that I want to share with you tonight. And that's Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, takes us to the Tower of Babel. And I am actually going to read that for us tonight. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. And I'm going to definitely need my glasses for this because I'm telling you, the print is tiny, tiny, tiny. And so, again, we are in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 11, we will read. At one time, the whole world spoke a single language. 
and used the same words. Can you imagine you all like everybody speaking the same language, like everybody knowing Hebrew or Arabic or Spanish? At the time, it was a, it was the Hebrew and Arabic languages, but everybody speaking the same language. And there's no there's no need for an interpreter. You know, we all understand each other just speaking how we speak. So this was actually the case at one time in the history of our world. Verse 2, as the people migrated eastward, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began to talk about construction projects. Come, they said, let's make great piles of burnt brick and collect natural asphalt to use as mortar. Let's build a great city with a tower that reaches to the skies, a monument of our greatness. The Bible said God will have no other gods before him. Of course, that comes a little bit later, but we're going to keep reading Genesis chapter 11. This will bring us together and keep us from scattering all over the world. <laughs> That's what they thought. Let, let, let's take a pause here to say we can plan, like we can plan, we can make plans all day, every day. If those plans that we have made all day and every day don't line up with God's plans, and I'm going to leave that right there. All right, verse five, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, if they can accomplish this when they speak, excuse me, if they can accomplish this when they have just begun to take advantage of their common language and political unity, just think of what they will do later. Let's just take a pause here. I love that God said this. Because God in this moment, of course, God knows everything all the time anyway. But in this moment, God acknowledges that these people are so unified. They are so together speaking their one language that they have their unity has caused them to want to build this construction, build this building. Of course, it was for themselves and not for God, but build this building for themselves and you know eventually reach up to heaven they are unified y'all we can get things done when we are unified we can get things done when we come together for a common purpose you don't believe it look at the civil rights movement of the 60s when the people black brown white people came together to fight against segregation black codes Jim Crow laws, when they came together, they changed laws. They changed acts. They made uh, they caused amendments to be made to the United States Constitution. We can get things done when we unify, when we come together. We can accomplish absolutely nothing when we are divided, when we are separated, when we hate each other, when we um, are fearful of each other. We cannot get anything done in those states of, 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 of evilness. Let's just say what it is, in those states of evilness. But when we show love one to another, when we come together for a common goal, when we are unified, then we can accomplish whatever it is that we need to accomplish. And God acknowledges this in chapter 11 of verse, um, or chapter 11 of the book of Genesis, 
He says if they can accomplish this when they have just begun to take advantage of their common language and political unity, just think of what they will do later. God understood and understands the power of unity. And we need to get a revelation, y'all. I love the, the, the marches, the modern day marches that have been happening since Trayvon Martin, since um, Michael Brown, Dante Wright, Breonna Taylor, Philando Castile, um, and all the other names that I cannot recall at this moment. Um, um, George Floyd, like I appreciate all of the marches and the protests that the, si the, the silence, some of them were silent protests, the peaceful protests that were happening to show solidarity in support of black lives, the lives of black men and black women, that unity, that solidarity spoke volumes. And not only was there unity and solidarity in the United States of America, we had other countries standing with black and brown people to say, enough is enough, police killing us, enough is enough. Everyday citizens, Ahmaud Arbery, killing us, enough is enough. And we accomplished the government, um, uh, list or hearing us, seeing us. Of course, we got a lot of work, a lot of work left to do, y'all. We got a lot of work left to do, but we accomplished our unified goal in standing for black and brown people. We were able to have some conversations with police departments. We have some discussions about some no-knock warrants. We have some discussions about defunding the police, not taking full money away, but channeling those funds into other places like mental health um, counselors to support police officers when they go to certain situations like domestic violence or other situations. So not taking the money away, but defunding, meaning rechanneling that money to other programs to support what our law enforcement agencies are doing. Okay, so we accomplished some conversations happening and some change happening in some of the cities and states across this nation. We're still working on voting rights laws. We're still, you know, being unified and working together to get some of these voting uh, rights laws off the books because they are not equitable for all people. So we're still unified and still working on that. But we can accomplish great feats, great things, great change when we are unified, just like the people of Babel. And so this is what God goes on to say. He talking to himself, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. This is what he goes on to say in verse 7. Come, let's go down and give them different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. So here comes all the languages out. Here comes our Spanish. Here comes our English. Here comes our Swahili. Here comes our Mandarin. Here comes our um, other languages that I, I can't recall right now. Um, so here comes the other uh, Greek. Here comes the other languages being introduced because the people during this time wanted to build a tower again to congratulate themselves, not to praise God. So verse eight, in that way, the Lord scattered them, meaning the people, all over the earth, and that ended the building of the city. 
That is why the city was called Babel, because it was there that the Lord confused the people by giving them many languages, thus scattering them across the earth. So again, that is the introduction to different languages being released upon the face of the earth. I often wonder, I know why God did this because I know what the Bible says about why God did this. But I also, like when I get to heaven, I want to ask God about this because this, it tickles me every single time that God was like, you know, this is my paraphrase. God's like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, why are they, let, let y'all, come on, Jesus, come on, Holy Ghost. We got to go down and get these people together. I don't know because God is omnipresent. He's om he's omniscient. He's everywhere at the same time. He sees and knows every single thing. So God may have saw, you know, in their heart that that greater evil besides their pride, because again, they're building this monument to themselves to so congratulate themselves. So God, I'm thinking, this is just me talking. This is not anything that the Lord revealed, but I'm thinking God saw in their heart that there will be some uh other evilness coming down the road if they remained in uh, communication with each other with the same language. <laughs> so God decided, no, I've already destroyed the earth. A couple of chapters before, I've already destroyed the earth. I said, I'm not going to destroy it with fire again. Look, I'm not going to try to destroy the earth again. So let me confuse y'all language so y'all can go your separate ways. And hopefully, this is, again, this is Stephanie talking, hopefully to minimize like the evilness. But that's just me talking, you know, I just want to ask God about that because it tickles me every time I read this scripture that God confused the language or he actually didn't confuse the language, but he gave them many languages so that they would not be um, able to easily communicate with each other. Um, but let's go back to them actually building this tower to congratulate themselves to begin with. We a people, we as a people can be so prideful, so arrogant about our own accomplishments. You know, I have this degree, I have that degree, I have this position, I have this much money in my bank account, I'm married to this woman, I'm married to this man, I have this house, um, I have this expense account. We can be so arrogant in our um, in the things that we own and in our positions. Um, and I just want to encourage us to be thankful for what we have and to not take what we have for granted and to not be prideful about it, to, but be very thankful that God has blessed us to get the things that we have, to own the things that we own, to have the education that we have, to have the spouse that we have, to have the family that we have, to have the position that we have, to have the bank account that we have. Instead of being um, prideful about it, let's be humble. Let's be thankful that God has blessed us with what we have. I am thankful, so thankful for my undergraduate degree. I'm so thankful that I have a master's degree. I'm thankful for my home. I'm thankful for everything that the Lord has given to me, has allowed me to purchase, has entrusted to me with my two nonprofits and my business. I am thankful for everything that God has again entrusted to me. So let's be thankful, let's rejoice because it could have been another way. It still could be 
another way. It could have been me outdoors with no food and no clothes, all alone without a friend or just another number with a tragic end. But God didn't see fit to let any of those things be. The song say none of those things be. And every day by his power, God keeps um, blessing me. And I want to say thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. So when we get the degree, let's be thankful for it. When we get the house, let's be thankful for it. When we get the millions of dollars in the bank account, let's be thankful for it. When we're blessed to find a love that wants to commit to make a covenant with us to spend the rest of their lives with us through marriage, let's be thankful. When God elevates us on our job or allows us to open our own business or corporation, let's be thankful. Hallelujah. And if you want to build a monument, build it to God. You know, they built altars in the Old Testament to com- to commemorate the blessings that they received from the Lord. So if you want to, you know, build you an altar or build you a, a monument, build it to the Lord in thanksgiving for all that he has done for you and your family. Amen. Amen. So that's all. I have for you on tonight. Look, go ahead and join me next Thursday at 6.30 p.m. We will dive into the New Testament, read and or discuss a few chapters in Matthew, and then we will go from there. Look, this is Women's Appreciation Month, so make sure that you encourage a woman, build a woman up, send her some flowers, give her a card, give her a note of encouragement and inspiration so she knows that she is loved, that she is respected, that she is appreciated, that she is seen. All right, God bless y'all. Take care. Thank you.